Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Good morning. Again. So today we are starting a new series uh, called Weary, the Spiritual Disciplines for the Spiritually Drained. Um, I, I thought it might be important to kind of understand where we're coming from with, with this series. <clears throat> so this series was, is kind of like two and a half years in the making, if you will, uh, of two and a half years of experiences and personal struggles and corporate struggles all kind of coming together for something that eventually became something that was capable of being preaching. Um, and even I myself was not capable of preaching this for quite a while. Uh, but I felt like finally we were at a point, I was at a point where, where this series could actually be, be talked about. Um, a lot of what we're going to address in the next, uh, this week and the next five weeks, um, comes from uh, many of you, uh, conversations had with, with many of you, conversations with, with people from other churches as well, just generally, just religious people um, ha who have helped kind of sort out some of the content that eventually became uh, this series. Uh, what we're going to be looking at, broadly speaking, what we're going to be looking at is how the spiritual disciplines can be there for us as acts and gifts of grace given to us by God to help us through the most exhaust, spiritually exhausting, fatiguing, and draining times in our life. For Christians, not just here, but broadly, we are in such an interesting time, this transitional period in all of culture and certainly in church culture, and it is a time when many of us are, are feeling extremely tired just drained, weary, completely weary. And uh, we're going to use these spiritual disciplines as a, a way of kind of charting our, our way forward. Uh, when we experience times like this, and, and I say when because I, I do believe this is also seasons of time that all of us are going to experience one way or another. In the last few years, I, I've had more conversations with people who, who I would just, I started to just kind of group in this category and realize that I was in the category as well of being just spiritually drained, of just being weary of everything. And so that's why I, I, I felt like, my goodness, I've had so many conversations with, with some of you sitting here. How many more are out there that I haven't talked with? Now, let's just kind of define some, some language here, because for some of you, you might hear weary or spiritually drained or whatever, and you're just like, mm, that's me. <laughs> like, I'm so that category. But for others of you, like, if it doesn't, you know, maybe it's not you right now, or maybe you're just, let's just kind of fully understand what we're talking about here so we can use some, some common language. 
When I refer to this in many different ways, I'm referring to the same thing, which is the spectrum of experiences in which we find ourselves just feeling like we can't really do it anymore. We have faith, but there's no like fire behind it. We've grown numb to faith. Uh, the causes of, of spiritual exhaustion are, uh, pro- I mean, about as many causes as there are people who experience it. However, I have noticed some kind of common stories and, that have come up over time. Uh, I've spoken with people who, this is a, a big one when we get down to it, just this sense of performance faith, just trying to do enough, especially in comparison to other religious people. You're just like trying to measure up and you just can't and it just drives you into the ground. For other people, it's, it's conflict, it's especially within churches, you know, we kind of think that there's going to be like, you come to a church and you're like, that community is going to be better than all the other, but then you kind of come into a church and you're like, my goodness, people are as imperfect as everybody else, right? And it can just drain us. Uh, Times of transition, especially, are times of of feeling spiritually uh, drained, and so basically what it comes down to is that you're, you're tired, you're apathetic, you're discouraged, and probably worst of all, you don't know what to do about it. You got this feeling, even like this hopeless feeling, it's like, what am I going to even do about what I am experiencing? Kind of like how you have like, you physical, like we can all relate to physical exhaustion, right? When you are so physically tired, you can't get off the couch. It doesn't matter how high of a priority that thing is. It's amazing how when you're tired, your priorities change, right? That thing that was so important, it's just kind of out the window. It's not as important anymore because you just can't bring yourself to do it. So it is with the numbness that comes with spiritual exhaustion. You know, certain things are important. You know, the Bible says so, but you're just like, my goodness, I can't do it. I can't do it. That's the spiritual exhaustion we're talking about. I believe that the spiritual disciplines, when rightly understood, are means of grace that God offers to the spiritual weary to reorient us from doing enough for God to experiencing life with God. A life without the weariness and performance of trying to compare ourselves to other Christians. A life that Jesus describes this way in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I want to share a story from 1 Kings 19. It's a story that will come up probably throughout this series and and in the Sunday Leftovers podcast. Uh, It's one that was very important for me. Sometimes you just find stories and pieces of scripture just like, my goodness, that's me right now. Uh, I want to share with you about a a prophet named Elijah. Now, before we read from 1 Kings 19, I think the setup is important because in this case, 1 Kings 18 is such a good, it's a good chapter. It's a good story as a whole. I mean, it's in the Bible, so what am I going to say? It's bad. I don't know. But, but the point is, uh, 1 Kings 18, uh, you've got Elijah the prophet who's going head to head with the evil king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And Jezebel and Ahab, they worship the god Baal and, and Elijah worships the Lord. And they get into this god duel. And the way they sort it out is that the, the priests, like hundreds of priests of, of Baal, they create an altar and they put a sacrifice on it. And then uh, Elijah, he creates his own altar and puts a sacrifice on it. And, and and the way they're going to sort out, like, who's the real God here is uh, which offering is accepted by their represented God. And so the, the priests of Baal go first, and they're like, I mean, read, read 1 Kings 18. If you ever think, like, oh, the Bible's not funny, 
It's funny. So the, the, the uh, 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 priests, they're like trying their all their superstition and they're dancing and they're doing all of this, trying to get their, their God to respond to this altar and, and consume it. And meanwhile, Elijah is just like over here, just hanging out on his, and he's mocking them. He's saying, I think you need to shout louder. Your God's sleeping. He's just making fun of them. And then finally, they can't do it. And so they're, you know, they're, they're at the end of themselves. And so now it's Elijah's turn. And Elijah's not like, I'm not going to just call down my God. You know what I'm going to do? Bring some water. It's like dump water on top. He's like, bring more. They put more on. Bring more. It, three times, they cover it in water. So it's sopping wet. And then he just, cool as a cucumber, man, just calls upon the Lord. And the Lord consumes his sacrifice and proves that his God is the real God and Baal is just a fabrication of superstition, right? And so, so but it, the story doesn't end there because Jezebel is ticked. And so Jezebel sends hitmen after Elijah. And here's how the story goes. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came, upon a, or he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Isn't that unexpected, right? I mean, the victory he just had. And now he's, I mean, he's basically like passively suicidal. He's, he's just, he's so, like, this is not physical exhaustion we're dealing with here, right? Like, you can see, you can hear it in Elijah. He is so weary. Even after such a, a, a fantastic success, he's still in this place of absolute weariness. Now, here's the, the oh, I really wanted to get to here. This is the really important part. It says that all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked with hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank then he lay back down. The angel of the Lord went back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. God meets Elijah at his weariness, at his weariest, and it is God, not Elijah, who lifts him back up. It's God, not Elijah, who breathes life into his weary soul. It, kind of, it reminds me of this, like, of the most untrue statement that Christians love to love, and they love to quote from the Bible, but if you ask them where it is, they don't know where it is because it's not there, okay? God won't give you more than you can handle. Some of you are like, that's not in there. Uh, it's not. Instead, what we get is this. The journey is too much for you. That under your own strength, Elijah, you don't have enough. You cannot, you know, he's saying, look, you cannot pull yourself up by your bootstraps high enough to get back on your feet. You can't will yourself the strength to continue on. It is a gift for Elijah. It is a gift of grace. And the same God who offers Elijah this gift in the wilderness offers you the same gift in your own weariness, he offers you the gift of grace, of his strength for the journey ahead. 
In this series, we are going to explore a range of spiritual disciplines, like prayer, rest, reading scripture, community, things like that, that give, um, we're going to explore these as, as ways that God gives us grace to sustain us through the journey that will inevitably, the journey of life that will inevitably lead through seasons of, of spiritual weariness and exhaustion. But I started with this story because I think we need to be really, in fact, we're not going to get to any of the disciplines today because we need to be really clear about what the disciplines are and what they're used for. Otherwise, the spiritual disciplines can actually become more of a burden on you and I than a, than a blessing. Um, so considering that we often find our, ourselves physically or uh, spiritually exhausted because of how much we're trying to impress God, if that's kind of how you understand faith, then if we just were to put the spiritual disciplines into, into that, you're in some trouble. It's just going to get harder for you through the, dis- through the spiritual disciplines because they may reinforce some kind of bad spiritual habits there. The disciplines are means of God doing what only God can do. They are forms of recovery work for our soul to move us from where we are to a new place, to life with God. I realized again that if I just preached this series just outright and we just jumped into, you know, here's a whole bunch of things you can do to be less tired, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you just put it simply like that, yeah, we don't have a lot of places to go, but I want to look at maybe for some of you, this may be a new vision of what the spiritual disciplines can be because the spiritual disciplines, uh, because they're things that we do, I think we we can fall victim to, uh, uh, to them as quantitative achievements. Here's what I mean. Reading the Bible, great thing, spiritual discipline, something we should all be doing regularly, but reading the Bible can become an achievement, right? It can become an achievement of how many times can I read through it in a year? Now, reading through the Bible in a year, fantastic. But it can become an achievement where it's actually not about you connecting with God through Scripture. It's about can I get it done in a year? Can I get it done more than my grandma used to do in a year? Whatever it might be. Prayer can become an achievement of time. Service can become an achievement of pride. Fasting can become an achievement of sacrifice. Uh, the, the spiritual disciplines are, 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 they're like neutral tools, okay? Think of like a hammer. A hammer is a neutral tool. Whether it builds something or destroys something has everything to do with the intentions of the person holding the hammer, right? So it is with the spiritual disciplines. They are neutral tools given to us by God that can build you up and build you in communion with Christ. But when our intentions are wrong, these spiritual disciplines can actually break us down and hurt us. And so because of that, I want us to think about these spiritual disciplines outside of quantity. We are not going to talk about quantity in this series. Uh, so if you have questions, like, and he, like here's the, the quantitative questions that we ask so often. It's like, how many times do I need to read my Bible? How, how much? How much should I be praying? 
How much should I go to church, right? Those are, we've all been there. We've asked those questions, and they're quantity-driven questions. And, and so the, the achievement part of us asks those questions. And basically what those questions are getting down to is one question, which is, how much is enough? What's enough in the Christian faith? How do I, um, or, or how much do I have to do to take hold of God's love and... How much do I have to do for like preventative spiritual maintenance to like stay in the sweet spot? You know what that sweet spot is? You ever been there? It's the, the, the sweet spot is like God loves me and he loves me so much. But like how much do I need to do to stay in that love? But not so much that I overdo it, right? I don't want to give too much. Like how, how much is enough to just stay in that love where I get to go to heaven at the end of the day, right? But I don't want to give too much. That's the sweet spot. And that's what enough is trying to get at. When you think about what is enough, well, what are you talking about enough? So we are not going to talk about what is enough in the Christian faith. And inserting our spiritual disciplines into a faith that is concerned with doing enough to please God will warp the disciplines into acts of works rather than acts of grace given to us by God. It will actually become, they will become about you, not God with you and growing in your life with God. You have to understand, and I just, this is really what I want to make clear. You, have, you, under, you understand, you are saved by grace. You are sustained by grace. You are loved by grace. You are forgiven by grace. And you are adopted into the family of God by grace. You are not loved because of what you did, forgiven by what you did, justified by what you did, adopted in the family God of God because of what you did. If that's the faith that you have, Jesus has a word for that faith. It's called a burden in Matthew 11. That's a burden. For some of us, it takes a lifetime to really grasp grace. But even with a works-based, even when the works-based faith runs us into the ground, we still will so often turn to works to try to lift us up. It was performance. Some, for us, when performance drives us into the ground, it just buries us. Somehow we still think that performance is going to be the solution to get out of it. Paul says in, um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, specifically verse, uh, what is it, 23, uh, 523. He says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Now, sanctification is one of those words that you don't really use outside of religious circles, okay? Doesn't I, anyone have sanctification come up at work? Unless you work here. Yeah, put your hand down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a primarily, that's a word that for many of us kind of just exists in, in, uh, in this room. Um, but ba what it means, and maybe you know this, maybe you've been in church environments, and this is lingo that you know, but not everyone's going to know it. Um, it. It means it's, it's the process of God's ongoing work in your life. As he transforms you through his Holy Spirit into, the, into his son, he, 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 he grows you in maturity. And it's a, it's a process. It's a life. Because... Um, because it's the middle ground between two very important points. It's the middle ground between the point of justification, the, another big word, right? But like it's the point where God justifies you to him. It's where you make a, a faith commitment to Christ, 
It's a time between that point and point of glorification when you are with God in heaven and, and you are made perfect. And this in-between time is almost like the transition time. It's the growth time. It, it's, the, it's your life, right? And it is the time where we are both saints and sinners. We, we are loved by God and still like struggle with sin. And through God's spirit, we are transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ uh, during that time. But, but here's why I bring all this up. Because as 1 Thessalonians says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. And a works-based faith even if we're not conscious of, of making this decision or making this turn, we'll not agree with this. Because what we sometimes think is that it's the process of sanctification. That's on you. You work super hard, and then your reward is you become more like Jesus. So instead of God himself, it's, may I sanctify me through and through. I'll finish up with the story of my kids just to kind of uh, look at this from a different angle. So, okay, I've got a daughter named Helen, a son named Ford. They love to go on hikes, so I go on hikes because I love hikes. So that's how we connect. And there's so many parks around here. If you don't visit them, you should. You pay for them with your taxes. So just go, listen, whatever. Anyway, we like to hike. And, um, and so, um, the, but my kids hike in two very different ways. My daughter stays right by me. Right by. So when we walk, she's always by me. And if she wants to stop, she wants me to stop. But if I don't stop, she'll keep going. All right. So her desire to be with me overrides any interest that, that she sees. She walks right by my side. Ford, on the other hand, he just runs. Right. And, and now he always wants to, if he can turn around and see me, I'm cool with whatever he does. And that's also important to him. So as long as he can see me, he might be 50 yards ahead, but I don't really care because uh, I, I can see him and, and he can see me. Now, when he falls and he scrapes himself or gets hurt or, or whatever and, you know, needs me to, to be there, uh, we just kind of keep walking and eventually we catch up with him and we pick him up and we brush him off, right? And on his way, right? Send him on his way and he runs ahead again. Sometimes that's how I think we see faith, that's how we see the process of sanctification. The process, that's how we see life with, with God. Is that God, you know, he, he lifted you up. He brushed you off. And now you go, right? Now, now it's on you. Now you're the one who's journeying. The reality is that, that sanctification, sanctific that God sanctifies you through dependence. Not independence. Life isn't about running ahead of God and trying to will yourself all of these things and to, under your own strength, do something that only the Holy Spirit can do. Talk about a burden. Trying to lift something that, that, that you can't lift. But God sanctifies us through dependence, not independence. You know, weariness is, is hard. Weariness is a struggle. It is a process to get into, and it's a process to get out of. But I hope that what we can see through this series is that the disciplines are means of, of helping us start new. Weariness is often a sign that something's off. And so weariness, in a way, can be a good signal to you from God. There might be something you're trying to lift on your own that you aren't created to lift, 
There might be a burden that you've taken upon yourself that God's saying, look, that's my burden to carry. You don't need to carry that. Come, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. As the angel spoke to Elijah when he was weary and broken down, the journey of life can at times be too great uh, for you to handle, which is why God walks with us. That's why God walks with us. Because when you fall, you fall in the presence of the God who will lift you up. When you succeed, you succeed in the presence of the God who loves you and shares in your joy. And communion, I think it's so appropriate that we're celebrating communion today because, because communion, uh, we celebrate this with food and, and drink. And, and right, like food and drink, that's what sustains us to keep moving. And so the elements are physical signs of this invisible promise and reality that God through his spirit walks with you. He lifts you up. He journeys with you, and when you face times that are too great for you to handle, and you will, God remains with you. And when Jesus broke the bread at the Last Supper, he said, he said to his disciples, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't say, hey, you know, do this to please me. Don't, he didn't say, uh, do this uh, so that, uh, you know, you can show me that you love me. He didn't say, do this so that something worse doesn't happen to you, right? He says, do this in remembrance of me. Rem- remember me, the one who called you out of your burden and weariness to rest, Communion is an offering of grace to remember the work that God has done in us, or has done for us, rather, through his death and resurrection, so that we do not have to walk alone, and so that we do not have to lift the things in this world that we were not designed to lift. So, as we come to the table, please join me in prayer. God, thank you for these elements. But even more than just these these elements, thank you, God, for, for what they represent, God, that you are with us, that you love us, that you never forsake us, you never forget us, you walk with us. And so Jesus, thank you for this reminder of your promise to be with us always. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.